just by adding one step to his sales process, he stops talking to strangers and tire kickers and freeloaders and people who would never give him money. And they raise their hand and Dean Jackson, another marketing guy, Dean Jackson said, it turns the invisible prospects visible. Welcome to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. My name is David Bloom. And I'm Alan Briggs. And we are excited about this upcoming episode. Today, we interview Cody Birch, who is an entrepreneur and he is a marketing guru. And we are excited for what you're going to learn. It's a little bit of a different direction than we normally go. Um, we're going to talk about marketing and funnels and things like that. But we believe that you can easily translate this into ministry, different leadership, nonprofit organizations, things like that. There's so much wisdom in this. Well, sit back, relax, and of course, get your cup of coffee. We're excited for you to enjoy this episode of the podcast. Let's dig in. Well, hey guys, today we've got another great episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast with a friend of mine, Cody Birch. Now, Cody does all kinds of stuff online. I'm going to let him intro himself so I don't botch it. But uh, more than that, he's committed to living life well, to living it healthy, and actually to, to doing this for the long haul. And so I really have appreciated Cody's insights in my life and, and in my business in the times that we've gotten together. Uh, he's a committed dad and a committed husband, doesn't want to lose his soul in the midst of his business. And so kind of a cool privilege today. We're actually in person, flesh and blood. I could literally reach across the table and poke him. I don't know why I'd want to poke someone during an interview, but uh, literally we're here together uh, at a space called 719 Commons. And so uh, we just love having these kind of conversations, but today's going to be a little bit different because Cody is a business leader and is actually going to introduce us to some new things that we really don't know all that much about in kind of nonprofit land. Uh, and so I'm really excited for today for what you're going to learn. So Cody, man, thanks for joining me live today in the studio. Yeah, Alan, thank you so much for having me, man. I feel so welcome here. I've had some amazing coffee already. I've been shown around and, and been given the red carpet treatment. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Let's dig in. Uh, when somebody says, Cody, what do you do? How do you actually answer that question? I'm most well-known in the marketing space for helping driven entrepreneurs grow and scale their business with Facebook ads and with something that we'll talk about more, I'm sure, but with marketing funnels or with sales funnels. And so that I do a couple of different, I do that a couple of different ways. Number one, I have a digital marketing agency where I run entrepreneurs campaigns for them. I help them get more leads and more sales and more customers. And then I also have this other side of my life that I that I maybe even have more fun doing. And that is writing and thinking and speaking. And I wrote a book recently and host a podcast about this other content. And that's on the marketing funnel side. And so basically took what I know about marketing and what I had seen work across the best campaigns from my clients and say, hey, there's something happening here. There's a pattern that's repeatable and success leaves clues. And so started to pick up those clues and put them together in a book called The One Hour Funnel that came out in the summer of 2018. And since then have been documenting the whole journey on my podcast, which is really fun. And that's how I stay busy. I love it. One thing I like about listening to your podcast is you're kind of giving an open look. Here are the fears that I'm feeling. Uh, didn't have a good month last month. Here are some of the numbers and that. And so um, just appreciate the risk that you're not only taking in your business, but to share your business with us. Hey, didn't feel like this thing worked or oops. And you can even laugh at your failures and mistakes in that, but you're always learning from them and innovating and kind of falling forward uh, in that. And so that was one of the reasons I thought we got to have you on the podcast because that's what we want to cultivate in people is that idea that take your next right step is what we talk about a lot. You're going to learn something, 
But then again, like you said, success leaves clues along the way. Um, you've had quite an evolution uh, in your career. You've done all kinds of different stuff. So talk a little bit about that. Maybe back us up the last kind of five or 10 years. What are a couple things you've done professionally and how did that lead to now and launching your own thing? I'm trained as an engineer, which I only say that just because it gives you some insight into my, like how my brain works. I'm very process driven, very, uh, again, like success leads clues. I look for the patterns and things that we can extract and do over and over again and to repeat them. So I love processes. I love systems. And so for the last 10 years, or I've been doing my own thing for about two, two and a half years now, but the 10 years before that, I worked at a company and I started off as a sales rep. And then being a process guy, I looked around and thought, Hey, there's really not strong leadership here. There's not a way to lead a sales team and to, and to, to predictably grow what we're trying to do. And so I convinced, uh, I invented a position and I became like the, I don't know, the vice president or the sales manager or whatever that became. And then the sales started to really increase and was there for a while. And then about 2011, 2012, it started to transition into how we could reach more people using digital marketing. So reaching more people online. At that time, that company had a predominantly offline business that would go speak in front of people, collect leads on paper, and then we would call those leads on the phone. At least we would call the hottest leads and we would ignore the 92% that we didn't think were hot enough to buy our product. And then we thought, well, we're leaving 92% of people unreached, untouched, not even trying to you know, persuade them to interact with our product. So we started to get more into digital marketing, which all that meant was, you know, more email marketing and some automation and creating ways that we could create these nets, so to speak, that people wouldn't fall through or fall out of or whatever. It's kind of like having a pail with a bunch of holes in it, trying to hold water. There was a lot of people getting through that, that business. And so that transitioned into a love for digital marketing. I was introduced to a company called Digital Marketer. They're at digitalmarketer.com and they do things right, in my opinion. And I thought this is the way to interact with people. This is the way to sell stuff. This is the way to grow a business on the internet. And that was, little did I know at the time, that was the beginnings of Red Anchor Marketing, my digital marketing company, where I took what I learned at Digital Marketer and at that last company with our own stuff. I was writing all of our emails and all of our blog posts and all of our ads and all of our marketing, all of our funnels, selling events, selling speaking, selling our own stuff and client stuff through that digital marketer lens. And then it hit me as I was transitioning, I bet other people need this. Like I'm, I'm locked in here at this job using all these skill sets for this one client and this one purpose. It wasn't a client, like this one employer, I guess, this one person. What if I, my theory was I bet other people need this. And that was the posit that I had as I jumped and started my own thing. And so that was the beginnings of, of uh, Red Anchor Marketing. Awesome. And uh, one of the episodes I really loved on your podcast was talking about how do you actually start a side hustle? I mean, really simple, really practical, that you're good at something. And at some point, somebody asks you to do that. And this crazy thought goes in your mind, like, maybe I could charge and actually get paid to do this thing. And so everybody listening, you have a skill. You have something that you do well, uh, genius perhaps, that just hasn't been pulled out of you. Uh, and so those are the kind of things that I pick up kind of listening to your podcast. I would say this, Cody, uh, for good or for ill, you are a fear expert. You just keep risking. Um, you're a courageous human. And so if you're listening and you're a business owner, um, listen in. This stuff's immediate gold. If you're a nonprofit leader or a church leader listening in, we need to be hearing more and more from the business world. This has helped me so much to be able to innovate, uh, to be able to push forward, to do some new things. What also helps me to realize you feel the exact same flavors of fear that I do, and we're kind of launching anything. So let's get specific. What are some of the specific fears that we're all going to feel when we launch anything new? The number one fear that I faced was that it would work or not. Like 
for me with a wife and with kids and a mortgage and all the things that we all probably have, all those normal things that we're responsible for and stewards of, I was just afraid it wouldn't work. I'd afraid I'd have to go back to my old job or we'd have to sell our house or we'd have to whatever. And so I'll actually dwell there for a moment because one thing that helped me get through that fear of, well, what if this all doesn't work is I allowed myself to imagine what I could think of was the worst case scenario, which all you start to just chase that down as natural thing. Well, I'm afraid it won't work. Okay. What if it doesn't work? Well, I won't be able to live in this house. Okay. Well, where will you live? You're not going to live on the street. Like you're going to live somewhere. Do you move in with your parents? Are you going to have to rent an apartment downsize? Like, what's that actually going to look like? And assuming that everybody else stays healthy and together and you know, my wife is there to support me and the kids are there. You, I start to started to become really okay with literally losing everything. Like it just, it just didn't matter. Like, well, we can Uber here and there. I don't need a car and we can stay in an apartment if we need to. And actually at the time we had an investment property, which lest you think I was super successful at that, we bought it before the dip of the economy, right? So we bought it at a high, then the big dip in 2000, 2009. And it was a small two bedroom townhome. And I thought well, we could move into there. It'd be super tight. Like there's only, you know, two bedrooms. We have a family of five and a greyhound dog. Like, but I got, you got really okay with the worst case scenario. And then you go, huh, well, I'm staring down my worst fear, which apparently I guess was losing my house and my car and realizing that that didn't sound so bad because I'm committed to this magic trick or to this genius or to this thing that I figured out in the world. And lucky for me, my wife was incredibly supportive and she wasn't freaking out. She had every right along the way to be just not sleeping and harassing me every day saying, you got to get this figured out. We got to get money coming in. And she wasn't, she was cool as a cucumber the whole time. And I, looking back, I feel really blessed to have had her, you know, walk me through that. Cause I was, I was the one facing fear, not really her. It wasn't, we were both, you know, shivering under the covers, like, how are we going to make this thing work? It was, it was me experiencing some of that fear and uncertainty and her saying like, Hey, what's worse that could happen and we're going to make it and we're going to be okay. Now, luckily I didn't have to do any of those horrible things, but I got really comfortable with that scenario. And then you feel, at least for me, I felt unstoppable. Like, well, if I'm totally cool with the worst thing ever possibly happening, then what's to start, you know, stop me from taking another step and another step, another step and not quitting. I love that. And we call that the bottom of the pool. What's the bottom of the pool where you could actually get to that spot and then push off and come on right back up. And we've got to think through those. That's been super helpful to me as well. When I've, you know, tried to bite off what feels like way more than I could or should chew at the time. Uh, and these are the kind of things, leaders, we need to be talking about. We, we go, okay, I have this fear. Nobody else has ever felt this for it. No, uh, you're human. You feel fear. And so thanks for being transparent about that. Super helpful for us. I want to talk about content for a minute. And so really, um, as, as a human that's influencing other humans, i.e. a leader, we're creating content, whether it's in meetings, um, whether it's Bible studies, whether it's sermons, whether it's uh, you know, your next release of, of content that's going to lead to fundraising, whatever it is, all of your content um, producers and creators here. But I think we waste a lot of content. You and I have talked about some of those areas uh, that nonprofit and church leaders especially waste content. Talk to us just a little bit. What are some ways that we can effectively repurpose content in multiple avenues or venues? Yes, that's a great question. So that's another thing that I think before I answer that question, a lot of us may have fear and trepidation around is that you're going to put something out and maybe you're not currently sending an email or you're not currently writing a book or, or writing a blog post and you think this isn't going to be very good. And so that's another fear I think a lot of us face is people are going to make fun of me. And my saying to that that I remind myself of is those that mind don't matter. And those that matter don't mind like people that if, if they care that you had a typo or the thought was incomplete or whatever you whatever you're so 
afraid of, they don't matter. Like they're, if they're going to criticize you in the blog post comments or on social media, they're not your people anyway. So don't worry about that. So I, I love putting content out. I love encouraging people like you, Alan, and people listening to put content out as well. When it comes to repurposing the content, the don't get hung up on the the medium or the technology because you could use Evernote, which is a free app. You could use the notes pad in your phone or whatever. I use a free tool called Trello. The tool is irrelevant, but I have a place and I, I'm sitting next year to Alan. You've got this book that you've got all these handwritten notes. Like you can capture those ideas. So Seth Godin is a great marketing guy. If you want to learn more about how to be a better marketer, Seth Godin's got a lot of great content. He talks about collecting dots and then connecting the dots. And I think if you're creating any kind of content, whether it's a, a sermon or a speech or a, leading a retreat or writing a book, you're you're doing that. You're my point is, I guess you're already doing this. You're already acknowledging things and noticing things and collecting the dots and you're connecting the dots. Well, I noticed this and this and this, hmm, those seem to be grouped together. And I'm going to bring that in uh, and teach it in a way that people may not have ever experienced before, where that's, I think any of our goal of creating any content is that you look at it, you don't have to agree with it. It doesn't have to be factually true even, but to go, well, I've never thought of that that way. I've never experienced that idea that way. So now you've got this collection of the dots and you've got this connection of the dots and you put it out there. I don't know if there's any mediums for me to focus on, but like you can, I try not to get too much into technology. Now with technology, you can get those thoughts, you can speak them into your computer, then they're transcribed. Then you can hire somebody to make that into some kind of blog post for either free or for $5 or do it yourself. It just doesn't take that long. The technology has made our lives so much easier now. For me, when I record a podcast, I get it, uh, I can get it transcribed, I can make the transcription it needs a little bit of work and a little bit of massaging to how we speak isn't always exactly how we write. And then that can and more often than not does become a blog post at my website, codybirch.com. And then that sometimes will turn into an email that I'll send out because I really like that connect collection and connection of the dots. And we all have done that, right? Sometimes you'll say something, you're like, that was really good. <laughs> like that was a really good thought that I had, I want to get that to as many people as possible. And so my last thought on that is when it comes to repurposing your content, getting it out in different mediums. I think it's really selfish to not do that. Like if you think, well, I don't, who are they going to think I am? If I'm all of a sudden I'm posting these thoughts and these different ways to different people to reach a different audience, I think actually the opposite, who do you think you are to be keeping them to yourself? If you might have an, an amazing lesson that you learn and you share it with a friend over lunch, and then you're, I think actually stealing from the people you seek to serve, if you don't get out there and then say that thing meaning record it or do a Facebook live about it or write a blog post about it, or that blog post might turn into an ebook or a, a, a cheat sheet or a download or a quick start guide or a checklist or something like that. That's why you had that idea for some reason. And you're a steward of that idea and you're stealing from people you seek to serve. If you keep it to yourself. Totally agreed. I mean, I think behind the scenes, uh, my fear before was, well, three or four of the you know, same people are going to read it in the different mediums and, and sort of feel cheated. But the reality is different people track along in different ways. And we can write it slightly differently. It takes a little bit of work. I remember I was up on a retreat one time. And um, again, we're kind of famous for you know, literally going up to the mountain. And um, I had this, this study of leadership that honestly, I look back, it was gold. It was really good stuff. I put my heart and soul into it. And I thought for a moment, I'm going to teach this for 20 minutes. And it is never going to be taught again. And then in that moment, I just wasn't okay with that. And I thought, this needs to be a blog post. And with a little bit of work, it was. And now I've actually started to create those as I'm processing the blog post ahead of time and realize, hey, if it's in rough draft form and I want to make it better, 
I'll literally just go back. You can change a blog post and literally make it better. And so we talk a ton about the rough drafts. Uh, and I just think, man, there's so much just heading out into the ether that we have created. And, and by the way, you look at somebody like Cody, people have looked at me before and say, how do you produce all that content? Well, it's not every day we're producing this brand new thing from nothing. Again, grab it in a notebook, grab it somewhere. So many of your thoughts, Cody, I know kind of kind of come out of what feels like thin air, but it's really while you're working out. When you see something, you observe something, there's a movie, there's a show. Uh, and honestly, we're pretty good at catching content, but I think we have a ton of work to do in the nonprofit world, actually utilizing that again. Um, if it works once, it's probably going to work again um, with some work. So talk a little bit about a funnel. Funnel was was a new concept to me, not like changing your oil kind of funnel, but the funnel was a new concept to me that's really revolutionizing um, the way that I see not only content, but also leadership and even our business at Stay Forth Designs. What exactly is a funnel? So to me, a funnel is the step-by-step, hold-your-hand approach to walk a total stranger through your entire sales process and to become a raving fan and to refer you business. So let's give some practical examples. Let's say that you have a car dealership. I don't know if you have a lot of car dealership owners listen to your show here, but give a car dealership. Their ideal process is that somebody would see an ad on TV or in the newspaper or online. They would come to the dealership. They would walk the lot. They would test drive a car. They would talk to the, you know financing. They'd work the deal out. They would buy the car and they would buy the maintenance warranty and the lifetime oil changes entire rotation and maybe that's the end of that logical step. Well, it's called a funnel because let's say a, a thousand people come onto the lot and then let's say a hundred take the test drive and let's say 10 buy the car and I don't know, one buys the one buys the extended maintenance program, right? That's It starts to look like a funnel, right? If you map that out, imagine a thousand people and imagine only a hundred, it starts to kind of be cascading down. So it's called a funnel for that reason there. Now in my business or in anybody's business, we have this core thing, right? I, I call it a magic trick. You have this core thing. And more often than not, I think anybody in any kind of business, like this is what you at least have. You at least have this part. You have this main way you get a person a result. You transform them from some kind of before state or they, before they knew who you were to some happy after state after they interact with you and your product, service, or idea, right? That's our core thing. And that's kind of at the bottom. That's the car dealership. They want people to buy cars. And then what we don't think of is, well, how can we get people into our funnel or into our system to provide them with value in advance, to get them a win before they ever get to know who I am? Another practical example, a friend of mine, Rob, he has a video service for entrepreneurs and it costs something like $10,000. He announced the service on Facebook and I love marketing and I love brainstorming marketing ideas. And I said, Rob, congrats on the new business. Curious how that's going for you. He said, well, I'm not talking to enough people, number one. Number two, the people I do talk to, they're not quite qualified for my actual magic trick for my core business. They don't have the 10,000 bucks. And then, and then like number three, it's all unpredictable. I don't know what to do. So Rob and I talked and just kind of buddy to buddy, I we came up with an idea to put something out there in the beginning that would help attract the right people and would repel the wrong people. So we put out a uh, something like a video guide for entrepreneurs. It was a free PDF. It took Rob, I don't know, 30 to 60 minutes to make that thing. And he put that out there. And it, people that were interested in that thing are interested in video for their business. Like So they're just by adding one step to his sales process, he stopped talking to strangers and tire kickers and freeloaders and people who would never give him money. And they raised their hand. And Dean Jackson, another marketing guy, Dean Jackson said, it turns the invisible prospects visible. Like imagine you could look out over your city and you could see people you wanted to help and like imagine like little lights going on in these households. If you were hovering over the city in a helicopter or whatever, and you go, oh, look, there they are. Those are the people who I can help. They're not invisible. I don't, I don't have to wonder who they are because they downloaded my 
video guide for entrepreneurs. Or for me, they downloaded my free book on how to do funnel marketing. What do I know about people who download a book about funnel marketing? I know they're interested in learning how to use funnels in their business. And then I can sell them other stuff. I can sell them my own magic trick. I can sell them a course or I can host a training to get them a, a faster result. That's what a funnel is, how a funnel works. It's the hold your hand approach. And I think where a lot of people leave um, money on the table or leave relationships on the table or results on the table is by not having that initial front end, that initial front end thing to attract people. A lot of people, I call it a lead generator that'll generate those leads and open up those conversations uh, that you can start to have with people. There's so many translations here, um, you know, straight from business into nonprofit and, and church work. And so guys, with a little bit of work, I think this stuff is mind-blowing, revolutionary, that we just don't run in the same circles. Cody talks about guys who are, you know, semi-famous or maybe uber-famous in certain areas and I'm like, never heard of them. So that's been super helpful for me to dig a little bit outside what I'm comfortable with, maybe my comfort zone, even of people and networks to learn from people to go, oh man, that's incredible. With some translation, we can bring it in. The example for us is really coaching, is that 10 tools in 10 sessions is becoming our bread and butter. We're known for it. That's a huge jump from a coffee conversation to pay a lot of money for us to give you our very best time, stuff, tools, focus, energy, all the way there. This has helped me to kind of build some trails in between those. Yeah, one of my favorite nonprofits here in town is, uh, I don't know their exact funnel, so I'm going to kind of brainstorm some ideas, but it's Save the Storks. And Save the Storks is a women's organization. They they help uh, women in crisis pregnancy situations uh, have a loving relationship with their baby or just get them help, the help that they need, right, in that moment. They do amazing work, and uh, in, in my opinion, right, they do amazing work. And so they might say, well, what needs to be true to get a donor? Like if we want people to donate to our nonprofit, what needs to be true? Well, it sure would be cool if they understood the case studies of results that we've gotten in the past. Like when, when those dominoes start to fall, well, if they're aware of who we are, they're aware of the solution we can provide. They're aware that we can get a result for people. They're aware that we're not some fly-by-night company. And those dominoes start to fall. It, it becomes so logical to, at that point, let's just say their main goal of their, of their business or their nonprofit was to get donations from people. How do they turn total strangers into big ticket donors to their program, right? And so when we can start to identify those pieces of our business or our organization in that way and start to think through the end goal is blank, like fill in the blank to do the 10 sessions coaching program or to become a donor for the nonprofit or to buy a high-end course or whatever that is, what else needs to be true along the way that I can get people a great result where they can like me and fall in love with the business and the mission and the cause. And then it's all just like, it, at that point, it becomes illogical to not do business with you or to not donate money to you because you've knocked down all those other dominoes. And if you're listening, you are likely in the transformation business. And so, um, each one of, of what we do, and maybe not products, but at least services, is unique. Whether it is a church, what is our discipleship process or programs? What does that look like? And the same can be true there. And so that's been super helpful for me to do a little bit of that translation work to realize there are certain things that are true along the way. One of the things we do, Cody, is we want to get ridiculously practical about this idea of health and impact. What does that look like for us, not just to produce once, we can be serial creatives and continue doing the things we're uniquely designed to do. So um, give us a couple of the practices um, that you have in your life, really practical things that keep you healthy, that keep you continuing to produce what you're really good, what you're really gifted at. I think that we are horrible multitaskers. And so for me, when I get really super dialed in and focused, number one, I block out 30 minute chunks and I'll try to go for 25 minutes uninterrupted, cell phone in airplane mode, 
if the kids are home, they know not to come into the home office. My wife knows not to like all my alerts are turned off on my computer, which they are anyways, but you just kind of can't, inter- it's not possible to interrupt me. There's not a way that I allow you in to interrupt me during those 25 minute sprints. And then I'll take a five minute break. I'll get a cup of coffee. I'll do push-ups or jumping jacks, or I'll, you know, go walk the dog. I'll do something like that. Then come back for 25 more minutes. Now, honestly, for me, as I've done that longer and longer, I can go for longer than 25 minutes, but it is important to have those number one, super focused, intentional uh, work sessions, those sprints and where they're uninterrupted. And then to take a little bit of a break, whether it's a breathing exercise or jumping jacks or walk the dog or something like that, or go get a glass of water. That's really been helpful for me. And it's not trying to multitask. Like I don't have a ton of tabs open. I close out and something I'll do this the night before. If you want to get really practical, I'll close down all the tabs uh, in my computer before the next morning session, because I'll know I've got, let's say I've, I have to record a podcast tomorrow morning, or I have to write a blog post tomorrow morning. What needs to be true about my, what's my own little funnel? Like what needs to be true about my computer and my workspace? Well, what if I have a bunch of receipts on my desk, on my keyboard, like that's distracting. So the night before I'll clear my desk off, I'll clear the tabs down. So all that's set up is, is that project, whatever that is, if it's an ad campaign or marketing campaign or a blog post. So I try to stay really focused in that way. I don't multitask. I think that's a myth and uh, I don't allow people to distract me. Put your phone in airplane mode, shut off all the notifications on your computer, which is in, if you have a, a, a Mac or an Apple computer, you can go into settings and system preferences and notifications and just turn them all off. Like there's a lot that pops up calendar notifications and news alerts and just a bunch of stuff. I, I close all those when I'm trying to be super productive. I love it. Super practical. And um, everybody that I'm talking to who begins to really see some success, um, whatever we want to call that in, in our own field, a couple of things are true. One of them is they just keep going. And I've seen that with your podcast. You just keep putting out episodes. You just keep doing the next thing. And you talk about that on your podcast. So slow listenership grows. And then maybe one day you hit you know, some kind of peak or you, you know, really start to see a tipping point. Uh, but secondly, there's an intensity. There's a stewardship that you know this is actually how I help and serve people, including my family. And there's an intensity about it. And so I think this is a great time early in the year for us to realize, let's just be honest with ourselves. We're not fooling ourselves. Are we intense about what we're doing? Um, because we know that it makes a difference in people's lives. Again, we're in the transformation business. So I love that. Really, really specific, really simple, but really hard stuff to practice. So no wonder you're so buff, man. Every 25 minutes, he's doing push-ups. You guys heard it right here first. Uh, so talk a little about marketing. I mean, to some people, marketing can be a bit of a dirty word um, if we don't understand it. There's some things we should do in marketing, some things we clearly shouldn't do. Um, so let's start maybe with some of the, the easier one. Um, what are a couple of things we should really stay away from when we think about marketing? Like what might make it dirty or wrong or just the, the wrong way to go about marketing? To me, marketing is the act of taking somebody from a before state, like a, typically a sad state that they don't want to be in to some happy after state. So think of the last time you bought anything like you were marketed to, or the last time you convinced your wife to go see Spider-Man instead of the notebook or whatever, like that, that was a marketing, uh, a marketing job there. Um, and so for me, like, that's how you can go wrong is you can leverage those powers of persuasion for ill gotten gain or for evil or for deceit. I, especially in, I'm in, I technically am an internet marketer. I don't like that moniker. It doesn't have a positive reputation among other internet marketers, but it allows me to sniff out 
inauthentic marketing attempts. Like people will say this digital product is, is a, you know, we only have 10 left and it's like, well, that's literally impossible. It's a digital product. There is no inventory. There is no scarcity. You have as many of them as you want to allow me to download from Amazon or whatever. Like it's not, it's not fake scarcity. And that's like a over the top example. You would think, well, surely nobody's doing that. No, they are. They're saying a training is live when it's not live and that they're almost out of an inventory of a digital infinite product and stuff like that. So using any types of, you know, persuasion for, for, I'm just going to say being inauthentic, I guess, like just not owning it, not being yourself. Um, for guys like me, they might, they might have a training that, that, um, that they're saying is, is live or they'll fake that it's a live training. I much rather when people say, listen, here's the deal. I made a training for you. I recorded it in the past. You can watch it whenever you want. Cause maybe you're a bit like me. You like to consume content at one and a half X speed or two X speed. And you don't want to have to wait until eight o'clock tomorrow night to experience it. So the good news is it's on demand and you can watch it whenever you want. And I'll read an ad like that and go, cool, that's an authentic representation of what they're actually trying to get me to do, which is to watch their training. They're not making me jump through a bunch of hoops um, in that way. So authenticity really matters. And if you don't have that, then I would just rather you not try to market anything. Just if you're not going to be real with people and be authentic, then pass. Well, in the episode with Tyler Hill, where you actually introduce... Um, us to hospitality through Tyler. Amazing. If you guys didn't hear that episode, Tyler talks about people can smell it when it's just off, when it's just inauthentic. Um, people are not dumb. We're humans. And so the same way we can smell it when we look to somebody else and we have to realize, again, whether that's a church, a nonprofit, a business, a side hustle or your main hustle, people can smell that stuff. And so we just keep coming back to that word. It feels like in our culture right now, authenticity, because we're starving for it. And, um, and when you see it, you know it, you can smell it. So again, talk about the opposite of inauthenticity. Uh, how can, just a couple ways could our marketing be really authentic? I want you to think about your life and just start to pay attention. And like we talked about connect, collecting dots, like pay attention to, I kind of call everything an offer. So here's a really practical example. My wife said, hey, we're doing this fall dinner with a bunch of other couples that you don't really know. And it's at this person's house that you don't really know. And we're going to be on a cooking team and we're going to cook for several hours. And then we're going to make a presentation. And I know you're introverted and you don't want to talk to other people or meet a bunch of new people. And it's going to take six hours and we have to get a sitter. Now I'm exaggerating a bit, the details, but like, that's what I heard. That was the offer. And I'm thinking that's a bad offer. Like, I don't want that offer. I, I don't want to do all that, all those things. We make offer. I mentioned the movies earlier. We make offers all the time of where do we, we want to go to eat for lunch? Where do we want to go? Like technically this, what we're doing right now is an offer. Like, Hey, come down to our office. I've got a great setup. We'll get some really amazing coffee, by the way. Thank you for that. And we're going to have a great conversation. Like that's the offer. And like, well, that's awesome. Like I'll take that offer. So whatever you, whatever result you provide, your genius, your magic trick, your result, as you're selling transformation from some before state to some after state. And here's what I mean by that, I guess. If let's say you have a lawn mowing business for a super practical example. Uh, right now, I, if I mow my own lawn, it takes me half a day on Saturday. I get sweaty. I've got to get the lawn mowing shoes out of the back of the garage that are turned green from all of the lawn clippings. I've got to make sure the dog's uh, mess is cleaned up. I got to move the trampoline. I got to get the bag of lawn clippings over the fence at the end, back to the front of the, like you start to think that's the before state and the after state is, Hey, look, like, let me do it for 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 50 bucks. And I might say, well, I don't really mind I like the exercise and a really effective marketing message in that moment is, Hey, Cody, do you want your Saturday mornings back? I'd be like, wait, I do. You know, yes, I do want my Saturday mornings back. Wouldn't you rather have pancakes and bacon and coffee with your wife and kids and watch 
sports center or whatever, while we take care of that part for you. That's the transformation. That's the before and after state. And for just $25, Cody said yes. And I now go over to his house on Saturday mornings and make some really good money. No, no, that's, that's not me, but I love, I love how you go so practical on that because I think we're using our time for stuff that ultimately we don't care much about. We don't want green shoes. We don't want to clean up dog crap, but we just feel like this is the way that it's been done. And, um, and as we think, you know, really practically about that, um, you know, marketing experts these days, guys like Gary V, Seth Godin, they say we're in the attention business is that we need to figure out if we want to take, especially high capacity leaders, because that's what you're talking about. When, when somebody wants to take my evening, quote unquote, uh, what are they saying that we're going to exchange it for? And sometimes we just do dumb meetings. We don't even know why I was coaching a leader last week and he said, um, yeah, we're doing this meeting and it came down to it. He doesn't actually know why he's doing that meeting, but he's asking for their best time for a couple hours after church. Is this vision? Is this information? And so we created literally the reason for the meeting, and that changed everything, as simple as that is. And so that idea of attention is, is just super helpful for us to think about. I wish we could dig deeper into that. Luckily for me, I get to dig deeper into it with Cody uh, than you guys will get to hear on the podcast. Uh, and so just as we wrap things up, um, you know, thanks for speaking into us today, for speaking into my life, even stay forth designs guys, a couple of the ideas, certainly some of the inspiration to push through fear is coming from Cody. And, um, he'll tell us a little bit about his podcast here in a minute. Uh, but we did actually did a mini mastermind one night. I've not been part of an official mastermind. And so just to kind of jump in the deep end, there were four of us that got together and I left there with tons of assignments. And so it wasn't like easy to go do because I realized, man, there's a lot of gaps that I just haven't seen. And so Cody and three other guys gave me ideas I could not have generated myself. And a lot of those were putting into play this year. So thanks for your impact on me. Uh, love what you love what you guys are doing. Um, and I say you guys, uh, you, there's a team behind you as well, and you're leading that team. So um, tell us where we can track with you, where we can listen to you and where we can learn from you. Yeah. So the first thing, if you want to learn more about funnel marketing, or if you want more leads or sales in your business, and you wonder what is this all about? Like, do I need a way to get more leads and customers in the business? And how can I demystify the whole thing? Uh, I have a free book that you can get at onehourfunnel.com. And we'll put the link in the show notes. So you can just grab the book. Uh, it's, it's a short read. Who would I to be to write a book called the one hour funnel? And it takes you, you know, 10 hours to read. It's a very short book. And it'll get you everything you need to get going as you think more about how to market your stuff with really practical stories and tips, just like we shared today. And then my my blog is at codybirch.com and the name of my podcast is Cody Builds a Business, which documents my whole journey. So like Alan said, it's kind of funny to listen back because episode two is my first ever marketing campaign and episode four is like, well, that didn't work. It's literally called Cody Takes a Mulligan and it's just me trying something and spending a bunch of money and it totally didn't work. Now there's been some successes uh, along the way as well, but it's fun to track that journey. It's fun for me to document the journey via that show. And so if you're curious what it actually takes or what it looks like in the day to day, um, I'd love to have you listen to that show too. We want to inspire what God's doing in your life. And what we like to say is that you're uniquely designed for impact. And this is a great place to start with this podcast. As always, if this content impacts you in any way, we'd say quickly take a screenshot and share that with people. Do a quick rating and review. That'd be super helpful to us. But here's a question for you. What's your next right step in getting other people's attention? What's your next right step in getting other people's attention. And when you do that task, we would love for you to reach out to us and just to say, hey, uh, here's what I did. It impacted me. 
because we love hearing, hey, that impacted me. Hey, that was fun. I love listening along. That guest was great because they're all great. We want to hear something you actually did because of this podcast. So Cody, thanks for being with us. It's been a blast. And thanks for joining us for another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast.